God bless you to stand together. <clears throat> we certainly appreciate the goodness of the Lord to us today. All of his mercy and all that he's done for us. And we've got so much to praise him for, don't we? So many wonderful things that he's done. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. While you're turning there, Carol and I would like to express our appreciation for all the birthday cards and gifts and um, wedding anniversary cards and all of that. We thank you so much for that. But for more than that, we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for loving us and putting up with us. And thank you for what you mean to us from our hearts. Let us read from the book of Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 16. We've been speaking about the bride's rights for several services now, and we'd like to continue the, the right to reign with him. As all rights are, you have to fight for them, of course. Some of them are more difficult to attain than others. Some of them will, a great portion of their happening will be by divine providence. But there's much of it that God will incorporate our own lives into and make it blend together, the divine side and the human side. Let's listen to the great inspired servant of God writes this in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you have that today, you ought to be one of the happiest people in all the earth. That the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But now listen how this is correlated together, not only with sovereignty, but with something else. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So we are heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature, listen to this now, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'm just longing for that day. I may like to be remembered today before the Lord in prayer. Certainly appreciate your memory, Erica, if you would. Since you had that biopsy the other day, she's been having quite a bit of pain. Um, not sure exactly where it's coming from, but we stopped to pray for her today before we came to church. Sort of like in her pancreas, maybe, but today moving up into her shoulders. But we believe our God is greater than all pain, don't we? Let's just approach him now. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your love and grace to us today. We thank you for the opportunity that we could be gathered together here, Lord. We realize, dear God, that we're living in the closing hours of the Gentile history. We desire our lives to be pleasing to you more than anything else in this world. We desire, Father, that we would be able to obtain all of our rights given to us by the blessed Son of God. For we know it was you who purchased our right to be saved, our right to be sanctified, our right to be justified, 
to be filled with the Holy Ghost, all of these great things. You purchased it freely, given it to us, and we're so thankful. And yet we know in obtaining those, it's like many of our rights as an American citizen, there may come times that we will have to fight for them because people will try to take them away. So I pray that you'd help us today, Lord, as we look into your words. You saw the hundreds of hands that were uplifted, signifying a need or many. Would you be mindful of them today, Lord? Speak to every heart, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you would, verse 14. All things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is certainly not the words of a man who had it easy all of his life. Certainly not a man that since he had become a child of God and then of course become a preacher and become the first church age messenger in this first Ephesian age. It's not the words of a man that had everybody to like him. Everybody thought he was this great fellow. It was not the words of an individual who had served God without a lot of heartache. But we hear from his pen, from the words inspired by the suffering in his body, spirit, and soul. That this is a man by this time in his ministry, now it's around 55, 60 AD, something like that. He doesn't have too many more years before they're gonna cut his head off. He's went through more than could be imagined. He's suffered so much for the gospel's sake. Now we know he went through a lot, no doubt, like all of us have, because of his own shortcomings. He dealt with remembering short things that he had done. He dealt with all of those that he had persecuted for the cause of Christ. They lived for the Lord and he hated the Lord Jesus at the time. No doubt he would remember over and over again. I've wondered myself how many times Paul would lay at night and could not sleep. And he would see the faces of the martyrs that he had caused to die for the gospel. I wonder how many times that he relived as those that was having their heads bashed in with stones and being imprisoned. All that he'd done, that of course was not for the glory of God, but that was his own mistakes. But how much now has it changed since he's become a prisoner of the gospel? And because of that, he's went through so much stuff for the Lord Jesus. And we know ourselves that once we become servants of the living God, children of the purpose of Almighty God, there will be so much that we will go through which we have absolutely nothing to do with ourselves. 
It's not our mistakes. It's not our frailties. It's not even us reaping for past sins. But it's something that has been attributed by the grace of God to our life. Now, you and I may not think it's a blessing that God would give us such things, but yet in reality, it is. Because there's something about the path to glory that is laden with a heavy load of a cross. There's something about the correlation of the weight of our cross in time that will bear out to the reflection of the crown that we'll receive on the other side. Now, of course, in this Laodicean age, people want a crown. They want to be honored, of course, in the resurrection. They want their deeds to be resounded before everybody. They want, my, what they've done to be put up on a great large screen. And you bought somebody a meal one time. And you did this and that and the other. That's typical for Laodiceans. They want to be recognized. And what they do, they want it to be resounded from the housetops. Oh, but do they realize in order to wear a crown that day, there will be such a weight on the human before they ever get there. How God would measure the size, the glory, the effigy of your crown by the burden related here in this life. Even our reward which will be given to us, will be measured by the works that we have done for his cause. Now, notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, Paul speaking about himself and about others, and he particularly goes to the ministry here, and he says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. It's just too sad that a lot of preachers don't carry out this same verse. Now, notice he realizes the value. God calls a man, and then God gives a man that gift and that ability, and much of what will become of that gift is not just about God, but it's about the man himself. How will he apply himself? What will he do with it? Now, Paul realizes that offenses can be brought on the ministry by the ministry themselves. So he says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Now we realize in our ranks there's many people that don't even believe in ministry and a lot of them, it's no wonder. It's no wonder what they've seen, the way they've been treated by preachers and the things that preachers have done, the doctrines that they've done and all that sort of thing. But that does not change that God still has a Holy Ghost filled ministry. And yet them preachers, if they would only recognize as Paul did, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. So it's not just for you to prove me, it's not for God to prove me, but I am to prove myself. So is every other God-called man. Now that part the Holy Ghost will not do. The angels will not do. And it's not your responsibility to do, but it is my responsibility. I will answer that day to the Lord for what I have done was what he's given me. 
I realize that I have much to be accountable for. If I had only this visible audience with hundreds of people here today, but I have also the invisible audience which stream us, which many of them have no church to go to. I have hundreds, times hundreds, way more than what you see here today that I will give an account for. Then you go beyond that of those who feed from our church that have churches of their own. I have thousands times thousands I have to answer to God for. And let me say it this way. Any man that wants that without a call from God is an absolute idiot. He ain't got a lick of sense. To realize the responsibility, each one of you fathers, that God will make you answer for the direction of your home. For you husbands that will give an account for your wife and for your children. It's a great thing to answer for, is it not? So Paul then looking at as it beyond just he was not a married man, did not have children, but he recognized as a messenger, a church age messenger. He had so much he would be accountable for. If he led the church in one error of a false doctrine, if they followed his example in some way of something that he did wrong, and there might be thousands of people that would follow in that error because they had confidence in him. It's a very scary thing. Now, notice he said, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Notice now, this is a man that is filled with the Holy Ghost, a man who loves God with all of his heart. But look at what he's going through as a minister, proving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Again, he says, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Listen what this man had been through. So we're not talking about a man that just went through some seminary college somewhere. He was never reproached for the gospel, never hated. You realize a lot of the men that are preaching in this day, they for the most part have had hardly no, absolutely no difficulty whatsoever. They've not been persecuted for the cause of Christ. Their life has not been threatened by people who would look for an advantage to kill them because of what they preach for. They have never been threatened in any way. Demons don't bother them. People don't bother them. Hell is not out to get them. They have this easy road that is paved before them because they preach only things that are gonna make people feel good. They're never gonna cross people. They're never gonna tell people if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. I ain't gonna say nothing like that. Not in the day we're living in. Preachers are looking for the easy way out. I'll tell you one thing, I'd rather be hated and despised and talked about and misunderstood and when I stand before the Lord that he says, well done. 
than be loved by everybody that ever hears me. And people pat me on the back and said, what a wonderful man. That guy, I'm telling you what, he, he just loves everybody. If love means not telling them the truth, that ain't real love. I would rather people misunderstand me and even not even like me. And yet for me to stand before the Lord and him say, well done than for everybody and their brother to pat me on the back and say, oh my, what a great man, what a great man, and then me stand before the Lord and him look at me in the face and say, you are a false prophet. You are going to hell. And not only you, but thousands of people you are responsible for. Not me, brother, sister, no, sir. I'm gonna tell you the truth. If you get so mad at me, you'd feel like smacking me on the face. But one day, you'll hug my neck. Now, notice. Paul doesn't just leave it in the sad, difficult side of verse four and five. But look in verse six how he takes a different avenue. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. Now you would come to a very peculiar verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. There's no other writer in the New Testament that says it quite in this way. And Paul must have had a real insight into this that not only by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, but I personally believe by dealing with it in his everyday walk. So he said, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound us by Christ. I want you to notice how he coins this term. He does not say suffering things for Christ. Read it. But he says, for as the sufferings of Christ. So many true Christians are not just suffering for Christ. It is actually Christ's sufferings in them. It is him living out. Now we believe with all of our hearts that he's living out the miraculous, do we not? These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils and lay hands on the sick. We see that, do we not? We see those things, but how many of us want the sufferings of Christ as well as the signs of Christ. Now, notice again the word that he uses here whenever he, he words this, as the sufferings of Christ abound. Now, this word is a Greek word that was used of a flower. Well, it could be on a tree or it could be on a bush or it could be a flower that comes up out of the ground. And it defines the stages of the flower, how that when the flower will first break forth and you can barely see a tiny, tiny peak of color. And then the leaves around that or the covering on the outside would protect it. It's not in its glory yet, but you can see it is a flower.
It's going to make a beautiful flower. So this was a Greek word that was used of the flower coming from that primitive hidden stage and then it starts opening up. Day by day by day, it opens and it opens and then the little coverings on the outside begin to turn down. As as they turn down, then they begin to magnify the yellow or the red or the pink or the purple of the flower. This was the word that Paul used that it was abounding. So it was slowly unfolding. And he said, this is what the sufferings of Christ will do in his true body. Now, not everybody that claims to be a Christian, but it's like the sufferings of Christ will start being molded in that child of God's life. And as they grow, they will begin to abound and God will find them faithful and more faithful and more true and more committed. And as they grow, the abounding of the suffering of Christ begins to unfold itself in their life. Then that which was hidden becomes revealed. And the mystery, the, the mystery of the color that was on the inside of that, it begins to become magnified as each trial and each test begins to lay itself backwards and the little petals begin to unfold. Oh, I pray that God can find that in our lives as well. I don't want to just stand before him that day and he say, Donnie, you laid hands on a bunch of people with cancer and they were made well. I see you built churches in Uganda. You built churches in Kenya. You built churches here. You've done this and that and the other. I don't want just him to say that about me. I want him to say, I saw the abounding glory of my sufferings in your life. Even though you did not understand, even though it was not your choice, you did not shirk when I put you into a position to where you knew that if you preached this and this and this, you would lose many friends. And you could have chose to left that out of your notes. You could have chosen not to say this or that or the other, but you said it anyway because I inspired you. Little did you know that would abound more and more to the glory of God. Now listen what Paul said, as the sufferings of Christ, not for, but of Christ, abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. That's a peculiar thing. Who would have ever thought that trials abounding in our life, sufferings of Christ, would turn right around and cause comfort to also abound in our lives. For us to comfort ourselves, no, to comfort others. So trials come and it brings such difficulty and hardship. But if we will allow it, it will turn it right around and it will produce consolation. <clears throat> I was talking to Lance yesterday, my son-in-law, and he was telling me, Brother Don, you know, this has really done something for me in the way that it's changed me about Erica. And he said, before I would hear people with cancer going through this and that, I would feel sorry for them. He said, but not like now. So whenever I hear of someone going through something, he said, I not only think of the person that is sick, but I think of the caregivers. Now, why would he think of the caregiver? Because he is one. As a matter of fact, he's taken a leave from work for almost three months so that he could be with Erica because Erica wanted him to be there by her side. He's been a faithful husband. So that opened up how? By reading about it? No, by walking 
in that position. And then watch what it does. It will begin to abound. So the petals will begin to unfold themselves. Every request that I get from around the world of someone who requests for prayer with cancer, I always forward that to Erica. You know why? She knows it better than I do how then people need prayer. And you know, when you've gone through something, say it's, it's the macular something with your eyes and they're degenerating, or say it's a kidney stone, say it's a blood pressure, and when the request is read from behind the pulpit, remember so-and-so, they're dealing with high blood, and you're saying, oh Lord, I know how that feels. Lord, I, I know that kidney stone. Lord, I know a wayward son, I know that. So there's something about what we go through that begins to abound in our lives and it's not just for this life itself, but it is actually leading us to a glory that will be revealed in us at that day. Now the Greek word that Paul uses here, which I know means nothing to us as far as Greek, but it's just an unusual word that he chose to use. And it was perisai, which means in us. So the sufferings of Christ himself are actually reliving out of us. So it's, it's exemplifying itself through our lives. You know, it's no wonder that the prophet said that the church is not being persecuted and not suffering is not in the will of God. Christ's sufferings then are represented as overflowing out of this word, parisa, it is overflowing. So it's coming from the very heart of Christ. Can you imagine that we think healing and salvation and miracles and all of that? Oh, sure, we all want that coming from the heart of Christ. But we're talking about a people that are going to reign with him. Remember, John mentions it in Revelation chapter 20, verse five, and he mentions it in several places, Revelation chapter one, verse seven. But he talks about those that will rule and reign with Christ. Well, how does that come about? It does not come about by simply being given to us, but there must be a character which will match our Lord. And there must be a union between us and Christ Jesus that we have suffered as being a child of God. Read with me in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now look at the very next words that he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Wow, so you mean Paul wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of us stopped there? What is the power of his resurrection? Well, a deposit of that is divine healing and miracles. Every person we see healed. My, I've been hearing absolute tremendous miracles and things that the Lord did in the prayer line that I'd like to share with you. And what is those healings and miracles? It is a deposit of the resurrection. But Paul didn't just have that. But this man had a peculiar desire that he wanted to enter in. Again, the word fellowship here is koinea. It's a very popular word used among the charismatic Christians in this day. They name their churches and their fellowships and so on after this. It's the word koinea because it means joining together, having something in common. So Paul didn't just want signs, wonders, miracles, healings, discernment and all that. But Paul said, I want to be the type of individual that if God looked for somebody to enter into fellowship of suffering, that I would not be one that would turn my back and run away, but I want to be, oh my, I want to be one so in love with the Lord Jesus that he, if he chose me to fellowship with him in suffering, I would say, here am I, Lord. 
Anybody else in here the same way? Well, I don't expect you to raise your hands one at one at a time, but you'll think about it, you will. Now notice that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now he wanted to go so deep into the sufferings of Christ. Isn't this a peculiar statement, Brother Paul, that a man would desire to enter into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, even made to conformable to the death of the Lord Jesus? Colossians chapter one, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings. Now watch here, he separates the sufferings of Christ and he identifies them as his own who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. The afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Again, it's like he's setting it forth that it's reliving. Brother Pete, reliving the very afflictions of the Lord Jesus in his body. This should help you to understand that this man, when he first met the Lord Jesus, and whenever he asked, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. How, who was he persecuting? The body of Christ. So Christ was living out in his body in so much that he took the persecution that Paul was rendering to the church members, the apostolic Christians, and he said, you are persecuting me. If people could only get this in their head, when you are persecuting or making it hard on a daughter of God, you are persecuting the Lord Jesus. When you are causing a son or daughter of God a hard time, do you understand what you are doing? You are making it hard personally on the Lord Jesus himself. That ought to make us treat one another a whole lot better, shouldn't it? Now, notice that he says, so I've entered in, let me go back and read it again, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Now Paul realizes much of what he's going through, it's not just for himself, but it's a joint union of himself and of the church. He said, Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So Paul identifies the body of the Lord Jesus as the church. So every person that persecutes you and I, every person that lies and runs us down, adds burden and difficulty and so on, they are persecuting the body of the Lord Jesus. You imagine how it's gonna be when they stand before him that day? And he said, hey, why did you run me down? Why did you tell this lie on me? Why did you do this and that? Well, Lord, I never even seen you. Oh, yes, you did. Because you done that to Donnie. You done that to Paul. You done that to Janet. You done that to Carol. You done that to Zach. You done, oh, that wasn't you, but it was me in my bride form. So because you did that to them, now you're gonna answer to me for what you've done. Lord God, help me to never have to stand before the Lord that way. And the church said, 
So suffering, look at it. That little friend, don't expect me to be able to explain to you how it all works because I don't understand it myself. But suffering is the beaten path to glory. Suffering is the beaten path to glory. And that which will make it more and more and more glorious on that resurrection morning. You see, glory must have something to be able to compare itself against. It's like we're living under the law of contrast. So we have a day at daylight, and then before long we'll have nighttime, we have sunshine, we have rain, we have good days, we have bad days, we have days we feel like, my, we'd never have a trial at all. Those other days you feel like you can't get your head above the water. Is that right? What is that? The law of contrast. What will make your glory? Now, I can't go in this too far because I don't want to go over your head, but there will be an element of God's glory. The Greek word there in the New Testament used for glory is doxa and it is something about the personage of deity that will be shared with his people. Now, I believe according to what happened to Moses there in the Old Testament, that Moses entered into the pillar of fire and when he come out, they had to put a veil on Moses' face because his flesh shone with the glory of God. And that was just the revealing of the law. What will it be when we get our glorified bodies and we're in the presence of God? What's one thing that's gonna make you different as the bride than the church? It ain't just you living in the city, it's gonna be part of your appearance. It's gonna be part of you entering into the glory of God, that which you bypass to come here as a mortal. Remember on Mount Transfiguration? What did Jesus do? He was allowed to enter back into momentarily what he was before he became a human. So he was allowed to enter into that glory which he had with the Father, which was his desire to go back into. He said, I proceeded forth and came from God and I go back to God. Not to his, another throne. There ain't no two thrones in heaven. There's only one. But he, he was God and he condescended from being that to become a man. But he went back to being God again. You were a thought, a part of God's great thinking. That is deity just like God's thought of Christ was. Because God has thoughts in his mind that are only for time. God has thoughts in his mind that are only about the universe and say certain things in our earth that in the new earth will not be here at all. But there are other thoughts that God has in his mind which are eternal. They are identified in the Godhead. They are part of the Godhead associated with him. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me preach this morning. If you have the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know what that is? That is your portion of the Godhead. Oh, what in the world are you talking about, Brother Donnie? It is God himself living in you. I ain't talking about in a baptism. I ain't talking about in a gift. I'm talking about your portion of him. Remember, you are heirs of God, which means you get God. You don't get just a fine, a fine fancy castle to live in. You don't get no palace. You get God himself. Praise the Lord. But how? How will we get to that, that spot, leaving from this mortal life? Well, suffering will be along the path by which we're projected up into that glory and the suffering in this life. You see, this is why the martyrs will receive what is identified in the New Testament as a martyr's crown. 
You and I will never share that. What's that mean? It's got more stars, it's got more gold, more silver, no. But it is a reflection of the glory of God that they paid the ultimate price. And you imagine now a prophet of God that lived for years and years of his life and gave so much for the cause. Will you and I receive a reward like them? Absolutely not. But every one of us will receive a reward that will match what we were here in time. And some people's reward, it will be given to them. It will be great. It will be exceeding and tremendous. And because they was a preacher's sake. And they lived their life for decades and they served God's people. And they went through so much stuff. But most of what they went through were for the cause of Christ, not for anything they'd done themselves. So the Lord will reward them accordingly, you understand. There will be others, they will be associated with a great supernatural miracle as a man in John 9 that we looked at last Sunday when the disciples said, which one of these sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be made manifest in his life. This man gave up years and years of seeing, gave up years and years of a vocation, gave up years and years of a family, all types of things he gave up so the glory of God could be made manifest in his life. He was never a preacher. He was never a trustee, as far as we know, never a church age messenger, but no doubt that man will be rewarded. His life has been preached for 2,000 years. We don't even know what his name was. How many people has been healed by reading this story about this man in John 9? How many people have used this man as an encouragement? God wrote in this man's life a great portion of his own glory. And that man was just a poor blind beggar that no doubt people would walk by and they had all kinds of thoughts. Don't sit there and look at me like you don't do the same thing. When you pass people on the side of the road and they got a sign, we'll work, God bless. I'm I'm a vet, I'm this and that and the other. And part of them may be that, you don't know. But because there's people out there that's liars, we look at them and say, yeah, right. He probably makes more money than I do. I ain't giving him no dollar. So what do you do? You think evil or you think bad and then no doubt they did that man the same way. That the glory of God could be made manifest in his life. Oh my goodness. So you see what happens in, in this life's journey as Paul is relating it here, how the what he went through and that the glory of God was gonna be revealed in him in such a great way. So by wearing and bearing the cross, we are being fitted for the crown. By carrying your cross, whatever that is, you are being fitted for your crown. If there is no cross, there is no crown. Can't you see why the multitudes that will live outside the city and many of them receive no reward whatsoever? Because their works are sown in concepts of denominational ideas which are not even scriptural, they will be saved, but they will live outside the city with no reward. They will never be rewarded. They don't even get the honor to live in the city itself, but they will come up from new moon to new moon and Sabbath and so on. And when they walk in the city, watch some of the glory they're gonna see. You. You imagine as they come up by them great gigantic gates of pearl onto the streets of gold and they see some of the saints of God who are allowed to live inside this city all the time. 
And they will see from your image projecting part of the glory of God. Little children, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, like him. How are we going to be like him? We're going to have fingers, we're going to have toes, yeah. But we are also going to bear the image of the Shekinah glory of God. Why? Because we have already, already been sized for our crown according to the size of our cross. So in this age when people want the crown, but they don't want a cross, they don't want to be reproached for being a Christian, laughed at for being a Christian. Guess how big their crown is? Same size as their cross. So what about those that go through so much stuff for the glory of God? Not just preachers, but Christians who bow the reproach and God identifies them personally. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus that a sick person and they're in bed and they're going through this and that and the other and God has a purpose for their life, a miracle that is in the making and it's actually Christ Jesus is identifying that person with bearing his own sufferings. So it's as if Jesus himself is suffering again. The sufferings of Christ. Don't be despondent. You're being measured for your crown. Oh, glory to God. Well, Brother Dottie, it becomes so difficult. I know it does, friends. I know it can become so difficult. I know that the pain, whether physically, psychologically, mentally, can be so difficult, the reproach can be so hard to bear. But how can I have confidence that God will, will help me, that he won't let me go through more than what I'm able to bear? Well, first of all, his word tells us that. Secondly, we can look at the examples that have been before us. We can read, starting with the Old Testament and find of those great patriarchs of faith, who lived lives that were even without the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, but that loved the Lord, and God kept them. And the church said. Amen. If you haven't heard this message in a while, it'd do you good to read it or listen to it. This is one of my favorites and has been since I came to the message many, many years ago. And whenever I get kind of despondent in life and down and all that sort of thing, oh, Brother Donnie, you mean you do? Yeah, just like all the rest of you do. I go to this one. Now, the prophet preached this twice. He preached it once in 1958 in Jeffersonville, and he gave it a little different title, and this one is the sunrise service in uh, 1960, and he entitled it, I Know. In 1958, he called it, I Know My Redeemer Liveth. Now, I want you to listen to this, and let us, let us end up on this part here in a bit. He could not drown Noah in the flood until the purpose of God had been finished. Now there's some words I want you to notice in these next few pages that we're gonna share. Until and after, and then we'll go to the next one. Until and after. Now watch, he could not drown Noah in the flood until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not burn up the children of Israel until the Hebrew children, the purpose of God had been finished. He could not kill Job with boils and troubles until 
the purpose of God had been finished. You catch my thought. Neither could the lions eat Daniel until God's purpose had been finished. Neither could death and old age take Abraham until the purpose of God had been finished. Now let's bring her home. Neither can he take you, oh hallelujah, or take me until the purpose of God of our life is finished so we gather from their consolation. So Satan could not take Noah. He could not take Abraham. He could not take Isaac. He could not take Sarah. He cannot take you. I think we need to serve notice on the devil today that we know where we are standing and we know our life is in the hands of Almighty God. The devil is not our master. We don't serve him. He cannot do with us as he pleases. He cannot take us until. Let me just Go ahead and add a few more names. The devil cannot take Dan Robbins until the devil is, until God is done with it. The devil cannot take Erica Parker until God is done with her. The devil cannot take Micah Brown until God is done with it. The devil cannot take Pete Lawson. He cannot take you or you or you or you until the purpose of God is done with your life. So like it or not, devil, that's just the truth. Anybody see which door he went out? I want you to listen to this next quote. Why does God let troubles come? God harnesses trouble. What an odd statement. So a harness is what you put on an animal to pull something or tote something. A horse, a mule, if it's a small enough load, a goat. So you have a harness made and then you hook it to this animal. And then the animal is to transport this, whatever it is, from point A to point B. Look at how the prophet of God identifies what trouble is. Why does God let troubles come? He harnesses trouble. Stand still, trouble. I said stand still, trouble. And God puts bits in trouble's mouth. Now, if you've ever had very many horses, we all could have named one or two of them at least trouble. Because, boy, I'll tell you one thing, when you head toward them with a the bit, some of them, oh, my goodness, how they like to carry on. You think that old plug horse ain't fit for nothing, he won't do a thing? Take the bridle toward him and you'll see how much life he's got. Is that right, Brother Phil? Yeah, that's the way it is. Well, sometimes God, not it amazing that God doesn't harness healing. God doesn't harness miracles. God doesn't harness great finances and great pride and great arrogance and this and that and the other. And God grabs a hold of pride and says, come here now. Let me set my preacher right up there and let everybody, hey, 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 here he comes. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh my, my, that's what a lot of us would And then God harnesses pride. Come here, pride. And the preacher goes, oh, what y'all think? Ain't that something? Yeah, you're something. You're a six foot pile of dirt like all the rest of us. 
But God harnesses trouble. And then he puts bits in trouble's mouth. And trouble says, I want to I want to look at my mouth. And you're standing there scared to death because you said, oh, Lord, that's my buggy. Why did God pick my buggy and harness trouble? He's harnessing trouble. Go on, papers. God's harnessing trouble to my buggy. Oh, no. I was wanting prosperity. I was wanting a new car. I was wanting a new home. I was wanting this and that. God, God, you got the wrong buggy. That's Brother Aaron's buggy, not mine. That's Sister Janice's buggy. Lord, you got the wrong buggy. God said, I know which buggy I want. I've got the right buggy. I've got the right trouble. I've got the right difficulty, but I've got the right bit in his mouth. Mm. So God harnesses trouble, puts bits. in its mouth and makes it obey him. And somebody said, and those troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. How many has had it to happen to you? You pray more when you got trouble or more when you got less trouble? Which y'all praise the most? You pray the most and everything's going good, right? No hardships, no difficulty. Everybody loves you. That's when you pray the most. No, you don't. You pray the most when everything's going on that you don't understand. Things you think you can go through. Well, God harnessed that trouble and God hitched it up to your beautiful little Cadillac. There had been no rainbow until. Look at this word. Until. Think of it. Oh my, I was headed out the other day after these flooding rains that we've had and I was going out of the neighborhood there and I, I, I took a picture, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. A rainbow standing almost vertical like, like that and it was standing right up in the clouds. The, oh, the creeks was flooded, all kinds of stuff going on everywhere and I thought, yeah, I took a picture of it and sent it to Carol. I said, look, God still remembers his promise. She said, yes, he does. And he still remembers his promise concerning our daughter too, she said. He's gonna heal her and make her well. Well, that's our profession of faith. So God remembers. So there, after all the storm, but there had been no beautiful of the seven colors of the rainbow until the flood came. After Noah was pressed into that condition he was in to float 40 days and nights in a storm and a little ark pitching up and down in the water, it was after the flood was over that he saw the rainbow for its first time. The covenant of hope, the covenant of promise. After he'd went through the tribulation, then he saw the promise. Oh, friends, I hope you understand today. That's exactly the way God does in our life. Oh, we want to see a rainbow. We want to see this. We want to see that. But before we can see that, we've got to see these other things. After he went through the tribulation, he saw the promise. That's the way you see the promise after you've gone through the tribulation. It wasn't until the Hebrew children were forced into the fiery furnace, one of the most outstanding trials, they seen one like the Son of God standing among them. Listen to this, their troubles 
produced. Their troubles produced. Did it for you, Sister Becky? Your trouble produced what? The mighty Son of God. How many of us is a witness here today that you went through this and that and the other, but if it had not been for your trouble, he wouldn't have showed up like he did. Oh, glory to God, can we see he will make all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord. Their troubles, not their faith, not their jumping, not their shouting, their troubles. When it got absolutely to a spot, it was totally impossible for any earthly deliverance. Can you imagine Florence Nightingale being so far gone Oh, my, those of you that have seen the pictures of that woman, when the prophet of God prayed for her, it's hard to believe that a human being could live in that kind of state. And yet, the Spirit of God, something in her with no hope, my, my, flew her to South Africa, and the Spirit of God gave the prophet an opportunity to be able to pray for her, and here come God in the form of a dove, a little dove sitting over there, hallelujah. What was it? Her trouble produced the Son of God. Her trouble, her sickness, her disease, her hopelessness, her hopelessness produced the Son of God. Oh, if we could only get it today, we'd realize when we get down so low, we'd say, oh no, we're, we're too far gone. There's no hope left. Yes, there is. He may have been waiting for that very time when your hopelessness would produce the greatest miracle you've ever seen in your life. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Their troubles produced the Son of God standing among them in breezes to wave away the heat wave. Praise God. But not until they went into the fire did that comforter appear. So I wonder if we could gather them here today and ask them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was you boys terrified? Yes, sir, Brother Donnie, we were scared teetotally to death. We wasn't sure that our God would deliver us. We didn't even know, you know, they said that. We're not even sure our God will deliver us, but there's one thing we do know, we're not bound to that image. We don't know for sure what he's gonna do, but it would say, would y'all do it again, again, and again, and again, and again, because what we saw in that fiery furnace has been preached about for thousands of years. It was the most awesome thing you can imagine. The men who threw us in there, they were scalded, they were like fried eggs, and we went flying right in the middle of that. We didn't even break out in a sweat. As a matter of fact, Brother Donnie, you're sweating more than we was that day, because all of a sudden, we got inside of there, and it was like a great big air conditioner. Now remember, this was pre-air conditioning, the William. So there wasn't no AC inside of there and headed down to about 55. But the Spirit of God come down. Hallelujah! The Spirit of God came down and began to fan off them old boys. They said, Whew, I'm getting a little chilly in here. Anybody got a jacket? And the old king stood on the outside and said, Did not we cast them three? They said, That's the truth, old great king. Well, he said, how come it is I see four? And the form of the force is likened to the Son of God. It was their troubles that produced the manifestation of the Son of God. Oh, are there any Christians that want to be like them guys that God will allow you to go to an impossible state and allow you to go to a position where you think there's no way out, absolutely no way, and then Jesus says, pardon me. 
glory, glory. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, since I've laid. You understand? Well, they're still alive. They're not fried like ribeyes. They're not even like poke ribs. They stand right up there, and there's another one in the midst of them. What in the world produced it? Their troubles. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me today. It was Daniel who purposed in his heart that he had not defiled himself with the things of the world and was forced to a trial whether he had prayed to God or going to a lion's den. It was after the heat was put on and he was thrown into the lion's den. After that, he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the midst of him. Erica told me before service, on the prayer line, she said, Daddy, hope it don't sound selfish, but I don't want to be the first one prayed for. I said, okay, no problem. She said, my need is so great. She said, would you care to ask Brother Ron, Brother Tim, <clears throat> whenever the anointing really gets to move it, would he call for me then? I said, yep, sure. So I told Brother Ron before service, he in turn spoke to Brother J.D. He said, Brother J.D., whenever I let you know, bring her out. So we prayed for many. I don't know how many we prayed for. But you know what motivated him to call her? Because an angel was standing right there. So when he comes, great things happen. Hallelujah. <laughs> now look, friends. I believe the angels of God are still among us. He was seen at the other church. This is twice he's been seen at the new one. I'm glad to be able to go to church where angels are welcome. I'm really glad to go to church where angels are welcome. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just for Erica's need that he showed up, but there was many, many others who had great needs. And what did he do? Your needs brought the angel of the Lord. I believe they're right here this morning. As a matter of fact, I believe the Bible tells us they camp round about us. My, when you go to work, they're there. When you go to home, they're there. When you go to church, they're there. They don't never leave you. They are right there, but there's certain times you need such a visitation, and it is your distress. It is your trouble. It is your heartache, your sorrow that brings them on the scene, and they are there because of you. Oh, glory to God. I imagine as a man, Daniel was afraid. I imagine as a man that he felt so alarmed. How is it possible for anyone to ever live past them power of those mouths, lines, or their mouths and the breaking power, the force, hundreds of pounds per square inch in their jaws as they would crush these bones. But Daniel's need brought the angel of God. Well, it's no less the day whenever the doctor said, well, I'll tell you one thing, your report didn't come back very good. We've got this and that and the other going on with you and I'm afraid you're at the end of your road. And the angel said, end of the road? That sounds like my cue. 
That sounds like when I'm supposed to manifest myself right now. I'm supposed to go down the end of the road, last days, uh, prepare. You're at the end of life. Yep, sometimes that's it. We want him to come at start, start. We want him to come even before one, you know, zero. We want him to come in deliver. But what if he's got a purpose in mind that the glory of God would be magnified 50 times over if you will bear something for three years? If you would bear something for four years and it would bring him a thousand times more glory and make medical science testify, we don't know. We don't know. Like a man who got a prayer call from the prayer line here on Saturday night. Had one artery 100%, another 80%. They did a stent and one is going back for another and they took him in for the procedure, took a prayer call and come back out and the doctor said, I don't know how to explain it and I don't know what's went on. I don't know what's took place, but he don't need a stent no more. Well, what was it? It's a need. It's a need and it brings him on the scene. But we've got to have needs. We've got to have hungers. We've got to have desires. And then we say, Lord, all right, everything's set. Everything's fell through. The building's collapsed. The walls has fell down. No more doctors, no more hope, no more this, no more that. I'm on your hands, Jesus. I'm on your hands, Jesus. And that's why the prophet said, you pray day and night. You pray day and night. I'm afraid I'll wear him out. No, I'll tell you what the prophet said about that. When he's talking about the little woman that had the daughter that was so sick and also the woman of the unjust judge, he said, you say to Jesus, he said, Jesus, are you getting tired of hearing me? Because I'm sure having a good time talking to you. I'm talking day and night. I'm talking in the noontime. I ain't never gonna let this down till you answer me. I'm on your hand. That woman come to the unjust judge. She knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked. Whatever you got need of today, don't pray one time and stop. Don't pray one time and quit. Keep on praying and praying and praying and believing and knocking and knocking. Deliverance is on my way. Healing is on my way. I will not give up. I will not give up, never. Listen, the prophet said the lions could not get him because he'd went through the trials and the temptations and the troubles. He knew that his God was able to deliver him from that. It was Abraham after he'd seen the ground get barren and the drought come and Lot separate himself and go down to live deliciously into the world. Notice what all happened to Abraham. The ground was barren. The shepherds was fussing and fighting. Oh, the prophet tells us anything too hard. The Lord told us in 1960, he said, I could just imagine Sarah that day she got up in a bad mood. Of course, that don't happen to none of us, but I'm just saying Sarah, you know. She got up in a bad mood that day and the crops was all bad. There wasn't hardly no water. And he said, little did they know God had just come down down the road a little ways and stepped into a human body. But it's when everything was so far gone, there was no hope. It's amazing though, when we get to that spot, we're right at the last step before he delivers and we give up. The very thing that's fixing to produce him is the very thing we say, well, there's no hope. One of the Deacon brothers' wives had a dream this week about Eric, and they said it wasn't saying it was the Lord. They weren't saying it was God or nothing like that. But she was in the hospital, 
All of her family was gathered around her. We was crying. They basically gave her no hope. We couldn't hardly even understand anything she was saying. But from a faint voice, she said, I'm healed. I'm healed. <laughs> I remember a dream. And according to the dream, she sat right straight up in the bed. <laughs> just like that and said, I'm healed. And guess what? She was healed. Sometimes you get that. Why well, you say, why does he do it? That produces the Son of God. Then he will have to make the doctor say and testify. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. How many has a need today? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads if you would. Lord, humanly, we probably would all more than likely say we, we don't really care for the way you do some of these things sometimes. Because unlike us, you don't get nervous. You don't get jittery. But Lord, we do. We, we, we just have to be honest. We get nervous. And when it gets down there so close, we think, oh, Lord. Lord, are you going to show up or not? I don't know why we do, because you always do. You always have. You always show up on time. But you know how we are as mortals. Lord God, for every person that's standing here today and those under the sound of my voice, wherever they are, and whatever they're going through, maybe some of them right now, those soldiers have got their hands on their arms and the furnace door is open. And they're fixing to throw them in. Maybe they're like Daniel. The door has done been open. Oh my. And they've already been thrown in and standing there at the entrance to the door of the cave. Shivers is running up and down his spine as them lions come toward him. The Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. They feel the heat as they start to approach. And the next thing, they walk into this air-conditioned, fiery-filled furnace. As far as I know, you're the only one who's ever been able to produce such a thing. That the temperature was thousands of degrees by an internal fire, and then men were as cool as cool. Now, Lord, that's the kind of cool I want to be. This age wants to be cool. That's how, what kind of cool I want. That's the cool I want in the middle of my troubles. That's the cool I want in the middle of my trials, Lord God. Whatever they're facing today, Lord Jesus, sickness, disease, depression, sadness, financial things, marital problems, whatever it is, Lord. May the Spirit of God come to their house today. Oh, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may you visit their house. Father, we believe your word. We testify that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There would have been no rainbow had there not been a flood. There would have been no miracle if Abraham would have been able to father a child at 35 and his wife at 25. But what a miracle it was at 110 
and 100, 90 and 100, 80 and 90, still believe in God, taking God at his word. Lord Jesus, we call you on the scene today, Father. Right now, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go to the hearts and the needs of these people. Father, I pray for this family up in New York. I read the request, Lord. You see, Father, streaming brother and sister, we love them so much. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God move for them. Lord God, that family down in Georgia that I got the prayer request from, Lord, that one in Alabama, Father, those different ones from different parts of the world, Lord, they're facing serious things. We can't go to them. We can't get to them, but you can, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God move for your children. Lord, not only those, but for those here right now present in this audience. Lord God, we ask you that you'd move for your people. Heavenly Father, I send your word to Erica. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, you see her need today. Lord, you see Emma had that surgery and woke up today hurting, Lord, still not feeling well. In the name of Jesus, may you go to her. Father, you see Brother Dan Robbins, the situation that happened again a couple of weeks ago. Lord, and he told me today that the doctors are, are, are convinced that everything will be well, but we are whether they are or not. But Father, you see the need of our brother. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go to him, Lord. I pray for Michael Carter, Father, in the name of Jesus. May the Spirit of God go to Virginia. He's not even well enough to come here and set the service, but may the Holy Ghost go there to our brother today. Father, not only them, but Lord God, every one that these saints have on their hearts right now. You got somebody on your heart, saints? Call their name. Call their name to the Lord. A lost boy, a lost daughter, a lost husband, call their name before the Lord. Whisper their name in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Let the Lord God go to them. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe you today, Lord. We trust you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, if you need a preacher that you have to put him in the furnace, in the lion's den. Lord God, let me be willing to be one of them. I know I'll only be one of many. I don't wanna just stand there and be able to lay hands on the sick. I've seen cross-eyed straighten out. I've seen all kinds of great things happen. That's wonderful, I love it. But if you need somebody that's gotta be run down, if you need somebody that's gotta be criticized and hated, if you need somebody that even the deacons have to protect his life, I'm willing for that too, Lord. Oh, I know there's not many preachers that want that. They want the glory side. But I'll choose the cross side now, and the glory will come after a while. Lord, may we as Christians here today say, Lord, if you need somebody, I'll be willing, Lord. I'll be willing to be tried, because I know I can trust you. You'll never let more come upon me than what I'm able to bear. Is there anybody here willing today? As a child of God, Lord, I know I can trust you. Can you trust him, church? You think you can trust Jesus with your body, your spirit, your soul? Boy, if we can't do that, I'll tell you, we're pitiful, ain't we? We can trust him. Praise the Lord. Or Brother Donnie, what if he asked me to? Oh, many of us, he'll never ask us to. He just blesses his heart to know you're willing. He knew he was not gonna demand Abraham to offer Isaac. 
He just wanted Abraham to be willing to do so. But you realize sometimes God don't want Isaac. He wants you. You see, it wasn't that God wanted Isaac. God wanted Abraham. Praise the Lord. But what was standing between God and Abraham just happened to be his son called Isaac. Oh, hallelujah. When Abraham got willing, I'll give up Sarah, I'll give up Isaac, I'll give up everything, Lord. Then the Lord provided a lamb. Glory to God, Jehovah Jireh. Thank you, Lord. If there's anything between us today, Jesus, help us to be willing to lay it aside. Our job, our money, our house, our vocation, our wife, our girlfriend, our home, whatever it is, Lord, help us to be willing, Lord. It don't mean you'll take it from us. It just means you want us willing to do so. Oh, grant it, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We worship you, Father. Bear your cross, friend. Bear your cross. You're measuring, being measured for your crown. Don't do it grumbling. Don't do it griping. But do it with as much grace as God can manifest through your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us go down this beaten path. Mama. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord? You just tell him in your own way with your own words. Just, you know, something like this. Lord, search me. Lord, look at me today. Search me, Jesus. Is there anything between me and you? Is there anything, Lord, that hinders me? Is there anything, Lord, in my way? Help me, Lord God, to be willing to lay it aside. Lord, if you need a man that you can try, Lord, if you'll strengthen me, I'll be willing to do what I can. If you need a woman that can be tried, right down to the doorway of death. Lord God, if you, if you want me, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, if God was saying, I want great men that'll go and travel. I want great preachers that I can share my miracles with. My goodness, message preachers would be beating the doors down. But Lord, if you need somebody that can come to the end of the road, somebody, Lord God, that says, God, don't you love me no more? God, don't you even care about me no more? Have you forgot where I live, Lord? Have you forgot my name and my address? And then when they get to that low place, then here comes the Son of God, the pillar of fire, the air conditioner, whatever it is they need. I find it amazing, Lord, you didn't appear in the form of the pillar of fire in the fiery furnace. They already had enough air. You appeared in the form of a breeze because that's what they needed. On the day of Pentecost, you didn't appear in the form of a book, but you come in the form of cloven tongues like as a fire and a mighty rushing wind because that's what they needed. Whatever I need this morning, Lord, I'm, I'm open and welcome to your manifestation. Choose whatever form you know I need today, Lord. If it's a fire, if it's a cloud, if it's just the slightest touch, if it's no more than me hearing your words, I love you, son. I love you, daughter.
I haven't, oh, hallelujah. I haven't forgotten you. I'm mindful of you. Was it not I that brought you from your mother's womb? Was it not I who has been with you every day of your life? Even those days when you did not serve me, was it not I who watched over you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Did not I say I would never leave you? Did not I say I would go with you to the end of the world? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It was you. It was you. Oh, Jesus, would you sweep through this building this morning with healing, with deliverance, with peace, with salvation, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe some need forgiveness, some need pardon, some need to be able to forgive others, whatever it is we need. Appear today in our condition, Lord God, in the form we're most needy of. Grant it, Lord God. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father. It's just everybody now just praise the Lord. Let's just take a few minutes now in his presence. Lord God, I magnify you. Oh, Jesus, I know you're here, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord God. Would you just minister strength? Lord, today may not be their day of complete deliverance. Today might just be the day of a touch, a strengthening touch that'll tide them over to next Saturday. But that's okay. We'll take that. If my day of deliverance ain't till next Sunday, I'm fine with that. As long as you're sending me a touch today, I'll be good. I'll be good and I'll not try to be God. I'll not try to tell you how to run your business. I'll just receive the touch and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because I've got so much to thank you for. Oh, praise the Lord. Anybody want to just help me as we enter in into his presence? And let's just start worshiping him and loving him and thanking him. Just start thanking him for what he's already done. Who knows, you might praise your way right out of the situation you're in right now. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, for saving me. I want to thank you, Lord, for sanctifying me, filling me with the Holy Ghost. I want to thank you, Lord God, for giving me a wonderful wife. I want to thank you for my two wonderful daughters, Lord. I thank you for all my blessings. I thank you for the trials you allow to come my way. I thank you for all the friends I've got around the world. Thousands times thousands of friends that you give them and I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the people here at our church. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for all the minister friends that I've got. But I also thank you for the times that you've allowed me to go so low. I wasn't sure if I'd ever see daylight again, but you come riding in on a mighty rushing wind and lifted me, Lord. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for all you brought our church through. We've been through some tough times together, but Lord, you've been with us and helped us, and here we are today, Lord, standing strong on the promise of your word. Oh, we love you today, Jesus. 
We've got so much to be happy for. We've got so much to be grateful for. And we want you to know, Lord God, we love you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, with all of our might, with all of our strength. We want hell to know we will serve you with all of our might. We want the devil to know we ain't looking back. We want the devil to know we ain't giving up. We want hell to know they better move out of our way because hell will be shook once more before this bride leaves this world. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The bride will not go in the rapture until every demon out of hell has been put under one of the bride members' feet. Lord, we will not leave a weak bride, but we will leave a victorious, all-powerful, overcoming people, hallelujah, and the power of God living in our bodies in such a way it will change us in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Our gray hairs will change back to brown and black and brown. Our bodies will be changed. Our mortality will be swallowed up. And it's the same victory that's right here today, Lord, that'll consummate that in our bodies. I wanna give you praise already for the body change. Hallelujah, I can testify it's real because of how many times you've already healed us. I thank you for resurrection. I thank you for rapture. I thank you for every revelation from your word. I thank you for the church ages. I thank you for the opening of the seven seals. I thank you for the three pulls that you chose to manifest yourself in. I thank you for every God called, God sent prophet. I thank you for every God called preacher. I thank you for every God called, Holy Ghost filled saint. I thank you for every God called, Holy Ghost filled musician. I thank you for every God called, Holy Ghost filled singer that uses their talent to worship God. I thank you for every time, Lord, we've been able to gather in the house of God. I thank you for all your goodness and all your mercy. I thank you for the morning. I thank you for the evening. I thank you for the sunshine. I thank you for the clouds. I thank you for the moonlight. I thank you for the starlight. I thank you for the sunshine. I thank you for every time I've been so low. I thank you for every time you've come when I've been so low. I thank you when you've come through riding on the wings of an eagle. I thank you Lord God because you've been so good to me and I know I can trust you, Lord. I thank you for being with us and helping us. Oh, Lord God, we praise you today. We praise you today. We worship you with all of our hearts, Lord. Oh, sing something for us, hey. Can we just worship God together, saints? Don't you love it? Oh, praise the Lord. When I think about Hallelujah. the Lord Oh, thank you, Lord. How he raised me. Thank you, Lord God. After you come through the trial. You after you come through the test. After you come the through the hard time. Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. When I think about the Oh! 
my praise makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy of all the glory all the honor all the praise when I think about
wonder how I made it through the storm. Sometimes I wonder if I would make it. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. While I was wondering, I just held on. I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero, and I don't have all the answers, but I held on till the storm was over. Not because I'm good, not because I'm great, not because I'm strong, but I held on. I can tell the things finally happening. I've got blessings I can call my If I would make it, but while I was wondering, I just kept holding on. I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero, and I don't have all the answers, but I.
and heal. You come among us and deliver. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. For you alone are God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord God. We've got a little brother that's wanting to be baptized this morning. If he'll come, we'll prepare for that. You just worship. But just cause we're changing the service to baptism don't mean you can't be healed. You can be healed whenever I'm baptizing or whatever's going on. You just reach out to him and touch him this morning. Bless your brothers, go ahead and worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Jehovah Jireh my provider you are more than enough to Jehovah
been experienced such pain in her body. Brother J.D. had told me, Brother Darrell, he didn't know what he was going to do. She was dealing with such excruciating pain. Uh, maybe on the 11th, the Lord left me off the platform right back there to Sister Barbara to pray for. It left and ain't been back. Hallelujah! After the healing, then we can testify. After the deliverance, then we can say, I know my healer lives. I know my redeemer lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Get out of here, devil. We've come to worship God. We've come to magnify the name of our King. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead. Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. Hallelujah. to his mother and father about wanting to be baptized. Lord God, I spoke with him to make sure he understood the seriousness of it. He said, you had been dealing with him, Lord. So I pulled him up a quote where a person asked the prophet. There was a little child, one six and one eight, that come to the altar and repented. How soon should they be baptized? Your prophet said, as soon as they can. For Jesus said, don't hinder any of them from coming unto me. Lord God, I can baptize him in water, but only you can baptize him in the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd be with our little brother. We love him so much. In obedience to your word today, Father, I baptize him. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. The Prince 
God this morning. Even better to be the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. As we go this morning, let's just sing. Let's sing God is good. Is he good to you this morning? He's definitely been good to me. God God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. God is good all the time. You can be dismissed. God is good all the time.